Talking rugby, telling stories, rugby picker. Welcome to Rugby Pick'em. Who cares? Who knows? Why bother? Ladies and gentlemen, 100 episodes featuring Devin Martling, past 2018 Devin Martling. Tommy, this is a good one. Yeah, I I think I, I vaguely remember... Was I in the studio? We just met. We just met. Yeah. You were the boy. Were you? Were we at Logan's and Devin's house? Was that the? I think we were at the old Apothic. Oh yeah. Yeah. Six oh seven. Yeah. Oh. Six oh seven. It's a good chat with Devin Martling, the producer of the show, and yeah, just to celebrate a hundred, we're going back in time. This is the inception, the first attempt at a, a long form. Rugby bio, but wow, 2018, a uh, simpler time. Three years ago, Tommy, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a different man now. We all it's are. Wild how life works. We're all different. Uh, every yeah. day, every second. <laughs> Enjoy. Know your role. Welcome back, rugby pick'em crowd. Welcome back. This is our first ever rugby pick'em bio well it might not be the first released but it's the first recorded we have devin martling in studio here with uncle johnny devin how you going today uh going well man going well (laughs) yeah coming off off a good weekend so still kind of buzzing yeah for those that don't know devin has been playing with the denver barbarians for the last two and a half years he just recently is a national champion in D2. Um, Uncle Johnny, we've had a pretty good last four days, and you and Devin have been leading the charge. It takes a village, man. <laughs> but Devin, you are a second-generation barbarian. Your dad, Lenny, played with the club back in the day. Um, when did he get started with the Barbos, and uh, about what time frame was he playing? Uh so he uh, he started playing rugby at Kent State University. No shit. Yeah, sure did. And um, I think he graduated in 72, I want to say. So somewhere around 72, he moved to Denver with uh, one Ron Skillen. Uh, good, <laughs> good old boy for the Barbos. Uh, and uh, played till probably about 85 or 86. Damn. Right when I was born, so. Yeah, you've made relationships through the years with other Barbell families, the Garrities and the Shafroths. Tell us about those families and how much the green and white runs in their blood. <laughs> yeah, so it, it really is a pretty special, uh, pretty special group of people that that played in that era and had relationships. Uh, I got the pleasure of growing up around guys like and families uh, like the, the Shafroths, Peter Shafroth, uh, guys like Dennis Wineland. <laughs> so uh, recently, uh, guys like Doug Straley, but uh, going back, like I said, the Shafros, the Winelands, the Garrities, all really, really close friends. Just uh, a great a great thing to be a part of and be around, for sure. Johnny, you were in the stands all weekend. What did the, the Barbo Nation feel like? What was the, the pulse out there amongst the, uh, the Sea of Green? Oh, high energy, but the old boys were there in full force, so... It's a it's a great thing to see from the family, and you know the old boys really like to uh, talk trash about your father, Lenny Marling. Did you know that? 
Yeah, they I love that. He, he must be a just a super. He must be a ball buster. Either a he, is he a ball buster? He's a lovable guy. He's a, like an easy target. What's <laughs> what's the deal with all the trash talking about old Len? And um, so the way that he tells it to me, um, you know, aside from the banter that's coming from the other end, is uh, you know when he when he started playing higher level level rugby, he kind of realized that he wasn't physically fit to. Uh, to play an aggressive uh, physical game, so he kind of drew himself back in that regard, and I think he gets a lot of shit for, uh, you know, not making tackles that he didn't have to. <laughs> Business decisions. <laughs> he like a fly half. He, he did. He played ten. Uh, well, I, you know, when he when he started with the club, you know, he went from wing into the centers, and then uh, I think Milt Bennett uh, stepped down as fly half, and uh, he kind of stepped in, and uh, you know, he had. Flankers like Dennis Wineland, who would just uh, you know do do all the tough stuff. You had the assassins. Yeah. It was old, you know old school rugby. The ten was the facilitator. Yeah, he had the assassins on the flanks, and he was able to preserve his uh, physical frame a little bit and not have to. Let's be realistic. We're all surviving out there on the field, yeah. trying to play uh, the next game yeah, at, the, <laughs> at the expense of his reputation. <laughs> <laughs> Dem, let me ask you a random question. You've slotted in at fly half and fullback this year. What's your favorite position? What do you like to play more? Oh man, uh, definitely fly half for sure. Ego. <laughs> no. <laughs> you just get your hands on the ball. Now? Yeah, yeah. You know, growing up playing every sport that I can remember. Um, you know, baseball. It was shortstop or pitcher. Or, you know, I even caught for a little bit because I just, you know, you want to be in the mix. Um, when I played soccer, I played keeper. So it was kind of like the last line of defense kind of pressure positions. And that's kind of where I'm comfortable or think that I'm comfortable in. And, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we certainly needed cover and athletes to move around all over the back line this year. I don't think we ever played the same 9 through 15 throughout the entire season. Um, and I always say, versatile backs will get on the field more, versatile forwards. If you play more positions, you will play more. And that, that seemed to be the case this year. Um, sure. Let's sure. let's transition into your past, though. These rugby pick bios, we're going to have a little past, present, and future of your rugby career to kind of give everybody a glimpse into your life. So let's go to your past. Let's talk about the time you first stepped onto a rugby field, which was a rather... I would say not interesting, but unique situation. Yeah, um, yeah, unique it was for sure. Um, where'd you play? Man, I've even gotten some some pretty good shit for, from some pretty high level players uh, throughout trying to you know tell them about it. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> funny story. So I went on a. This is a total random like off the. What's off? We could we could probably like let's get weird somewhere or whatever. Let's get weird. But uh, yeah, so I went on a golf trip in Wales uh, with my dad and uh, a bunch of close friends. Uh, one of which is uh, Di Reese, who was a transport player for the Barbos back in the late seventies. He came over. He uh, he actually played for London Welsh, and came over and played some Barbos seasons. So I went over on this golf trip with a guy. Uh, die and a, and a guy that played hooker for London Welsh and I tried to explain to him at the ripe age of 26 that I had just started playing rugby and he did all but laugh at me. So it, was, <laughs> it was pretty funny. You just started playing? Yeah. Talking yeah, to a Welsh like, guy who's like had the ball in his hands since yeah. age four, yeah. playing yeah. grade, grade. Sure. Yeah. Right. But no, Devin Martling took his first ever rugby cap at the University of Northern Florida 
but yeah. he he was a graduate playing amongst undergraduates. Well, no, I wasn't a graduate yet. <laughs> I, I hadn't even gone to college yet. So what's uh, the yeah? What's the origin story? Let's let's hear that. The origin story. Well, how far back do you want to go? I don't. I mean, <laughs> when did the first idea even pop into your head to play rugby? Well, let me set this up briefly on how I wound up as a college student at the age of 26. I, uh, I graduated high school in 2004 and had aspirations to become a golf professional. So I wanted to, I wanted to play golf for a living and teach golf for a living and uh, took that road till uh, you know the age of 25 or so and kind of got burnt out on it and uh, decided to go back to college and uh, moved up to Jacksonville uh, did the two-year community college thing and then got transferred to University of North Florida when I was 26. I was dating this girl at the time in Jacksonville. What was her name? Uh, her name was Paulette and she so. was <laughs> so, she was uh, she was getting rid of a couch. I had just got done taking this couch down to the curb waiting for whoever to pick it up and uh, right when I get back into the house I turn around and I see this beat up 1994 five era crown victoria pull up to it and uh this kid with nasty looking dreadlock just dirty looking kid to be honest with you dreadlocks down to his shoulders gets out and just starts kind of looking at the couch and i walk outside and i say hey bro like what are you doing he's like oh i'm gonna take this couch home <laughs> of course <laughs> And he like, sees okay. value in a dirty old couch. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and I said, well, you're absolutely welcome to it. How do you plan on getting it home? And uh, he goes, well, I'm just going to chuck it on top of the Crown Vic and huck it back to the apartment. Well, I had, a, I, I had a truck at the time, so I offered, you know, hey, why don't we just chuck it in the truck and we'll bring it back. And um, as, we're, as we're carting it up the stairs to, to his apartment, he notices that I'm wearing a Canterbury rugby t-shirt. And uh, this is a shirt that my dad had bought for me about 10 years prior. Um, and I just happened to be wearing it on that day. And he looked at me and he said, hey, man, do you play rugby? And I lied my ass off. I said, yeah, I've played rugby before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was a lot younger. By that, I mean I've been to a game. <laughs> yeah, by that, yeah, by that, I mean I've been, a, been to a couple of games and had a rugby ball in my hand <laughs> at one time or another. But uh, You got uh, caught in the lie. And I, next thing I, you know, no, you're coming no. out to practice. I wasn't caught in the lie yet. And this is, a two, this is actually a year story in the making. So bear with me here. But I'll try to, I'll try to make it as yes. brief as possible. possible no. But... So, I you know, I proceed to lie to this kid and kind of vaguely tell him how I've played rugby, which I have not ever in my whole <laughs> life. And uh, he says, you know, well, I, I play over at UNF and, uh, you know, you should come out to practice. And I said, well, you know, I'm over at the community school for now, but when I go, when I, you know, transfer over, I'll definitely look into it. So fast forward, uh, you know, whatever, a year year and a half ish i guess and uh i'm taking my first semester's finance course at unf and i hear snoring behind me <laughs> in the stadium classroom whatever you want to call it uh and i look behind me and no shit it's the fucking same guy with dreads the bed, <laughs> sleeping on the fucking thing crown vic yeah crown vic dreads good old crown vic chachi tim hurt chachi what's uh, up chachi 
So I go up to him. I say, hey, you know, you remember me? I'm the guy with the couch. He goes, yeah, yeah, I remember you. I remember you. So when are you coming to rugby practice? So he put me on the spot. He, he totally called me out. And uh, and I told him, you know what? I'll be there. I'll be there next practice. When is it? He goes, well, it's tomorrow. And it's, uh, and it's at the this field next to one of the, you know, the, what are you, the housing things. Uh, dorms. <laughs> How fucking old am I? <laughs> dorms. Things uh, they put the students. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, he gives me his phone number. We exchange the information and all that. Nine, you know, the whole nine yards. And uh, the next day, I'm looking for the field, and I text him, and then he tells me where it's at. And I show up in shorts, uh, t-shirt, some sandals. You know, I, I wanted to just kind of get a temperature for the whole thing. Um, and watch, but you know, as rugby is, right? There was a very invasive personality that said, "Hey, I have boots in my car. Yeah, what size are you? What size are you? Yeah." So I ended up uh, taking a pair of boots that were size too small, <laughs> uh, and stairs to come, <laughs> running around in a, in a nice pair of shorts, a belt, and a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, and you know, as Brendan said, uh, blisters to come for sure. And as anybody who's ever, you know, played rugby, you know, you go to that first practice and you either love it or you hate it. Yeah. And it just... It and the players know right away, too. They're like, okay, this kid, he can move laterally, he can move quickly, he's not afraid of contact, he's athletic enough to catch and pass without looking at the ball. I think, I don't yeah, know, I, so a lot of times I'm black and white and I just judge person. Practice one, I go... He can play or he can't play. Hey, and, it's and, bad. It's hey, bad. But, you know, you, you, like you playing for how long you played, you have cues to go off yeah. of that you know. Like you, there, there are certain characteristics that you can judge a person on. <laughs> but what made it for me is we did a little just like quick two-on-one drill. And I somehow made the right decision with the, the majority of the time. The so John I, pass. I got, yeah, yeah, I got a little lucky. And, yeah. And you said you talked about contact. Contact was a huge thing for me to overcome. Uh, never playing like a contact sport before. Well, golf. Golf is a pretty big <laughs> Hold up. Hold up now. You can big roll, contact. You can drive roll, right down the middle. Yeah, you can roll a golf cart here and there, you know. <laughs> yeah, which I have, yeah. <laughs> I've seen tempers flare in the, uh, the clubhouse, you know. Yeah. yeah. Scorecard issues, guys yeah. throwing punches. Golf's a contact oh, sport. Oh man, we had a we had a high school match one time. We were fighting the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, hardcore. hardcore. Yeah, obviously, you're not <laughs> a golfer. Well, let's bring us back. Like, like, tell yeah, us sorry, what. Went on no, 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 no. Don't, don't ever apologize for going off on a tangent on rugby pick on bios. That's what we do. Tangents are stories, and stories develop rugby. But we want to know, Johnny and I. What the hell does a person do for three years trying to become a golf professional? I mean, did you go to greenskeeper school or what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so. What are giving lessons like to a rich prick who thinks he can like <laughs> learn golf? Seriously, tell us. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, well if no, if I pay enough, my swing will get better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, you know, having taught for a while, you either have it or you don't. And as teachers, like rugby. Yeah, as, as teachers, we recognize that very quickly. So uh, you're either getting milked for your cash or yeah. you got some uh, talent. But, uh, man, so I, I got a job. I started playing golf when I was like 15 and, um, you know, played high school golf and got really, really into it and wanted to play and wanted to be part of that whole scene. So I got a job at a golf course when I was a junior in high school. 
through when I graduated in 04 and I uh, was working at this country club and wanted to wanted to get into the business and become like a PGA apprentice or whatever. So I went to this two year school in Orlando, which was like a golf management school. So they teach you about running the business, teaching Front end, back end. Yeah, front end, back end, whole nine, you name it. <laughs> Excitement. Yeah. Just, hey, just all like the, the course. All the riveting things. Front nine, that, back nine. Yeah, all the riveting <laughs> things that go along with being golf pro. Yeah. So. Well, it's interesting. All right, so yeah. you enter rugby late. You're joining this UNF community. You guys start having a bit of success. Tell us about your favorite season. My favorite season. Um, well, uh, the favorite season for both sevens and fifteens would have to be the last one that I played. And that was 2015 bleeding into 16, I think. I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't really remember, but, um, and, and our, our 15s team, uh, the year before our standing fly half, Trace Horvitz, actually a great rugby player out of Fort Lauderdale. Um, he had just graduated and stepped down and I, and I was able to, kind of fill into that spot and we took it pretty deep into the playoffs in, in our 15th season. Uh, we're a small school, so we we're in the NSCRO division. Um, uh, but we ended up in Carolina playing in the round of eight against Duke and we lost to Duke. Um, man, but it was such and a you, cool You game. were playing fly half? I was playing fly half, yeah. I was playing fly half and um, it was such a good game overall but one of the things that really stood out to me um and really made me appreciate what i was a part of was uh we, you know we were down to the point of to the tune of two scores with uh you know no no realistic chance to win the game but within the club like we we, we rallied and we you know literally screamed in each other's faces like we're not giving up like we're gonna play until the whistle blows and and that was just something really special because we ended up scoring and making it a two or three point game. And uh, just that little extra effort and little heart and that camaraderie that we all shared was really, really special. And then we went on to destroy the next team in the Constellation match. Right. Game. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a good end to that. Um, but as far as sevens goes, so we had a handy little seven squad. Um, and we made our way to the CRC in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, eh? Yeah, so we did pretty well in our pool. Um, we faced a New Mexico Highlands team. The Vatos? Yeah, the Vatos. The Vatos. Yep. Uh, Savages. Vatos. You know, who had guys on the roster like uh, Eric Sykes, Kayvon Williams, Celester Eswiga, I think that's how you pronounce his last See, name. Not. Close enough. Close enough kind of deal. Uh, Missile. All Barbos. What up? What up, Barbo fam? Um, and they did beat us in pool play. And um, we wound up playing the New England team in the semifinal game that they went on to play in the finals. Uh, you know, they... they they played a class of rugby that was just outside of what we knew, and they and they took advantage of that. But that's a good run. Yeah, and and at the end of the day, the the next day we we beat Claremont Rugby um, from New England as well. I think I can't remember where they were from, but we we beat them in the Constellation. Took third. 
but it was just it was just a really cool thing to be a part of like to play in that stadium and in that atmosphere you know with with teams like cal at that point in time we're right. playing like you know right after you and it's just chester pa yeah. i've only gone as a fan me and my boy will hank shout out wake forest rugby uh yeah. we drank uh, a fifth of like vodka underneath the highway right before we walked in so i kind of felt like charlie and the it's always sunny gang like just yeah. south, south <laughs> feeling trash it's like drinking warm really vodka bad. under the highway before noon yeah. because they were like charging 10 bucks a beer inside but well we're not gonna walk in and start paying those prices of course yeah so i felt like trash yeah uh, that was one of the years dartmouth won but um i don't know it's one of those events where is it is it successful <laughs> to throw an event with a shitty pull if you have a good live stream and you put it over NBC and there's a ton of eyes? Because I watch that stadium and it's empty, but I say it's got to be good for rugby because it's getting yeah. out so many eyes. Well, right? so, so, the, so it progresses, right? So that stadium fills up as the tournament goes on. It fills up. is an aggressive word. Well, they shut off half of it, so you yeah. can't even occupy It's just a lower, yeah. And by the by, the final of the the whole deal of the year I played in, it was packed. So, yeah. Um, if you're not like the mom of one of the players, all of their friends, family, all across the country. These are these these are players from colleges all across the country. So they're all streaming it. So they do get a good stream. That's that that to me is the ticket. I think streaming is everything. Yeah, we need to stop worrying about box office stuff. As a company, you need to know when you're throwing a good event that's going to make cool. money. And I think the thing in Dicks this yeah. weekend will make money. Um, but who knows? Ooh, Hope so. I just dated the uh, the podcast episode. Now yeah, you can't release it whenever we want. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah. so you have you know you have don't fiddle with the mic. <laughs> <laughs> play with my fucking keys. <laughs> so you have perspective on like what it's like to play in that level of tournament, fifteens and sevens, and you get to that stage and you know like anyone can win. Yeah, like at that that stage and you're with your your boys and yeah probably how many of those guys that you played with on those teams are still playing rugby you think on the teams that i played on or against in college or in college on um played with played with in college against probably 50 60 percent you think so yeah Awesome. In some regard or some way, shape, or form. Whether that be just like going out and playing touch and stuff or whatever. Now, Devin, didn't there come a moment where USA Rugby said, no more, Devin Martin. <laughs> you simply cannot play with college kids anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it <laughs> so the last season or the last year that I was at UNF, I had to coach the backs. Because I was too old to play with him. <laughs> you know what? How Put did that waiver? He I, is an undergrad. So <laughs> eligibility aside, uh, you know, I had the eligibility, but uh, apparently, when you're 30, trying to play for a college team, hard stuff. You age out. Yeah. <laughs> you age out. <laughs> hard. They stop. put you to pasture, and they're like, yeah. "Hey, uh, here's a whistle, like yeah. referee or coach or something, yeah. would you?" Yeah, so it like just it just so happened like the, the our practices for UNF were Tuesday Thursday, and I got to go coach the backs, and that was really fun. But it also opened it up because uh, I played for the club side in Jacksonville for a season, uh, 
because uh, their trainings were Monday, Wednesday. So there you go. You're playing four days of rugby a week. Probably made you a better player. Oh, playing yeah, coach. Playing, playing two, watching two. Yeah. I guess. Uh, well, you know, we're grassroots. We want people who are rugby guys and rugby gals to be out in the community doing as much rugby things as possible. If that means moonlighting as a coach and player, then so be it. That means being a part-time manager and doing some front office stuff because you have business savvy and you know how to do that, then so be it. And if it means just being a fan and paying a ticket and hitting a turnstile on Saturday, then so be it. But we're all about community and grassroots rugby here on Rugby Pick'em. Devin, we're gonna play a game. It's a Rugby Pick'em original. Copyright infringement. You'll hear from our lawyers. Top three. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a code, either 15s or 7s, and I'm going to give you a player pool. And I want you to give me your top three guys to win one game. And the preface is they're injury-free and in their prime. Injury-free, in their prime, playing in the, in the whatever people that he has played with arena before. That they- well, I'll give him a player pool. It, it could gotcha. be player he plays with, or it could be like you know the All Blacks. But it's like at the, it's at the it's time w- that I play win one game. Whatever. Yeah, okay, win one right. game. Take them in their prime. Take gotcha. them the best version yeah, okay, of what yeah. you remember. All right, all, right. all right, the first one. You got to win one game of fifteens, a final, and you can pick anybody who you shared the Northern Florida jersey with. Top so three. three. Yeah, three. And listen. It's hard because you can only pick three, but we want to hear, and the listeners want to hear the why. It's all in the why. In the why. Top three. Uh, all right. So the first two names I'm going to spit are uh, Joe Eichner as eight man and David Aguilar as my inside center. I'm just assuming that I'm playing ten, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. These these two kids are, are guys or men now. I don't know. Are are physical specimens to you know to be to be talked about. Uh, Joe Eichner, he played eight the whole time I was there, and he has since gone on um, to make it on the Toronto Wolfpack. Wolfpack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the league team. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they're competing. So a little quick spinoff is like uh, in Jacksonville, we had a semi-pro league team that played in the summers. So the X Men. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So we, so the guys, the guys that played college ball that wanted to keep doing it and getting better, they'd go swap back and forth from league to union, and both actually Joe and uh, Aggie went on to play pretty competitive league, league elsewhere. So Aggie went to Australia and played semi-professional league down there. And Joe's now with the with the Wolfpack. And then my third has uh, got to be Steven Kruger. Um, probably one of the best nines that I've played around or with like in that era for sure. Um, so yeah. Next yeah. top three. Next top three. You got to win one game of sevens. Yeah. Anybody who's played for the Barbos. Oh, okay. You got to win one game. Any player in their prime. Three key players. Kayvon Williams, I don't got to give you a why. Ben Pinkelman, I don't got to give you a why. But I'm taking Max. Max. I'm taking Max. Yeah. Um, Max who? Maximo de Archival. Everybody knows who Max is. A.K.A. the Wizard. Um... You know, I don't, I don't know him personally very well, but his tape speaks for itself. Yeah, so it's, it's funny. Like 
knowing that I was going to be moving out to Denver and knowing that I wanted to play some rugby, like obviously you get a little curious and you start YouTubing and all that stuff. And you're, you're looking at super league games. You're looking at just like sevens nationals games. You're looking at, you know, dating back 10, 12 years in the Barbos, you know, you, you hear the name Max, Maximo, 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 and you watch what he does on the field. And he's got to be one of, if not the most consistent, uh, you know, reliable players, consistent, that, reliable, and that has ever played for for this club, and underrated, don't you think? I mean, nationally, like, and honestly, like, I can't speak to that because I just don't, I don't have the knowledge outside of what I know as rugby. Hmm. But at the, like, I can't, I can't imagine he's not underrated because yeah, he's real good, real good. It's a good pick. That's a good top three. I mean, those. I thought you were going to drop in Steve Laporta since you were wearing his Eagles <laughs> Sevens rugby jersey yeah, the just at list. the game this weekend. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought about it, but I couldn't speak at all about like his playing. Yeah, you know, and you know what? I I know Tyson Meek is a capped Eagle who's scored under the post in Hong Kong, but there's no video of that. You know, the '90s were the '90s and the 2000, early 2000s. They came and went, and nobody filmed. Yeah. So, if only we can get a live stream archives. of every Barbell Sevens game of all time, or, you know, who knows? Yeah. Get on that tech staff. Um, either way, Devin, I have one kind of oddball question, but I just think this is more of a cerebral rugby coach thing. I want you to pick a forward position and a back position that you think, as a coach, you want to have your best player be, right? What is the most influential forward and back position? Forward and back position. Okay. Right. If you have two studs on your team, one's forward and one's back, what do you want them to play? You consider nine a forward or a back? A back, very much so. Yeah. You think a know. nine can like tackle? A lot of them <laughs> think that they're forwards. I don't know. Oh, like, God. Carmine Hernandez was just one national championship and he stood behind the defense blind the entire season. <laughs> just telling everybody where to go. So, you know, I don't consider them a forward at all. All right. All right. <laughs> It's a fair question, though, I think. No, it's not a fair question. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was funny. <laughs> it's got to be 10. It's got to be 10, like maybe 15. Yeah, maybe. I, think, I think it's 10 and then 15 is 1 at. Maybe if you have this 10 that's just super physically gifted and just doesn't quite know his way around yet and needs a little bit of help, 15 maybe maybe he's that guy. I don't know. No, I, I think you're right. It's got to be 10. 10. Because you're, you're the, the close person of the scrum. You're the bailout. Yeah. You're everything. Yeah. Um, and as far as in the forwards, man, um, I think I think the uh, strong side wing forward is probably the most important position. Open side flanker? Yeah. Oh, you're talking to two open sides right yeah. here. And I have a soft spot for that too. Uh, why do you say that? Uh, it's just that, like defensively, they cover a critical gap on every offensive set piece, and you know, I don't know. That's just where my mind went right away. Yeah. But if I overthink it, you know, you can. Right. You can, uh, tight head prop a lot. A lot of coaches was second. Was it? Yeah. A lot of coaches say, but I they'll put their tight head prop first. Johnny, so you and I both read this piece where Joe Marler, the England guy, goes on record saying, "I'm a dying breed." Like, they're trying to take the scrummaging and the technicality out of this game, and they're trying to turn it into this open field thing, similar to the NFL, where, like, it's a passing league. 
the penalties on the it's harder to be a cornerback and and bump and press guys. And I read that Marler piece and I completely agreed. Like at the end of the day, it's going to turn into who can play in the open field. They want to get rid of scrum so badly because it's it, if a fan doesn't know rugby, a scrum is a boring, confusing thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there's yeah. some technicality in but there. But I think that I think that favors it favors flankers. Yeah. yeah, it I mean, does. Yeah. Totally. Cuz you're a hybrid. You're for sure. You're a sevens player. Sure. You can do everything. Like you need that knowledge to what's going on around the sets, but also like playing with like this yeah, wise man once told me uh, that uh, the the hooker position is the most technical on the field. So there's a lot of uh, detail in that. that Hookers are like you want guys who have big balls, right? Who can like make a fucking throw in the figuratively seven minutes. Yes, large mountains. Oh. Um, you know, pressure situation guys at hooker, and I kind of agree with that. I agree, and, and and hooker was up there too for sure. Yeah, it was very hard. Hard. Open side fly half, baby. Those are the glory positions. Get those guys paid. Well, what what other shout outs do you have to your uh, rugby family? Shout outs. Uh, Rich Alger, head coach for UNF. Uh, super influential. <laughs> Great guy. Uh, Stephen Hill. Is there, is there a story there? Sorry. There's a lot of stories, but I don't <laughs> have the time to fucking tell them. So. Stephen Hill, forwards coach for UNF. Just great guys. Great foundation of learning the game, and uh, uh, obviously my dad, Len Martling, uh, Dennis Wineland, Joe Garrity, Peter Shafroth, Steve Laporta. That's true, Barbo fam, right there. I I could go growing up in the family. So So, you know all the current players. Like I mean, you know, one of the great things about the Barbos is like I, I was taken in immediately, and you know, made to feel welcome. So. It was. Uh, we also tell you when you're being a little whiny bitch, so it's yeah, good yeah, which is quite often. So. <laughs> I appreciate you, Brandon. Devin Martling, national champion, true first, Barbo fam, first ever rugby pick'em guest. Devin, please tell us you're gonna go get your pinky checked out. Yeah, we're gonna take a picture <laughs> for the Facebook page. But you've been playing on a broken pinky for a while now. It's okay. We've won the championship. It's you can a get, sausage. You can get a splint on. Yeah. I, until I got the uh, phone call to come over here and do this, I was going to go get this thing x-rayed <laughs> finally. <laughs> I guess we can push it off one more day. Yeah, I'm right. glad you sacrificed. <laughs> Cheers, Dev. Anything you want to know about rugby, domestic, domestic and international, rugbypickem.com. Pick them. Pick them. Pick them. It's a it's a great thing to see from the family. Past, present, and future of your rugby career to kind of give everybody a glimpse into your life. Oh man, uh, definitely fly half. I had just got done taking this couch down to the curb, waiting for whoever to pick it up, and beat up 1994-5 era Crown Victoria pull up to it. Kid with 
nasty looking dreadlock, just dirty looking kid to be honest with you. Dreadlocks down to the shoulders. And you know, well, you know. And you know, well, you know. And you know, well, you know. Check, 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 check. Come in a little louder, Devin. Either you lean in or you're louder. He simply cannot play with college kids anymore. Yeah. Yeah, wise man once told me uh, that uh, the, the hooker position is the most technical on the field. So there's a lot of uh, detail on that. There's a lot of stories, so I don't have the time to fucking tell them. So. Kayvon Williams, I don't gotta give you a why. Ben Tinkleman, I don't gotta give you a why. Know your role.